Hi, everyone. Welcome to your San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. Crime in San Diego was down during 2020, but some troubling categories were up. We'll talk to Alex Riggins about that. Plus, this week's Name Drop San Diego guest is an expert interviewer with hot takes on Oprah's royal interview. First, the news. San Diego County posted a new tier score of 8.8 coronavirus cases per 100,000 residents Tuesday. While that's not enough to push the region into a new tier this week, it bodes well for next week. That's because the state will increase the threshold for the red tier from 7 cases to 10 cases per 100,000 once 2 million coronavirus vaccines have been given in California. It appeared that the state will not wait for Tuesday's normal tier update to take action. San Diego expects to receive enough federal COVID-19 relief money to close a deficit, avoid significant budget cuts, and boost aid for San Diegans, Mayor Todd Gloria said Tuesday. The $1.9 trillion federal relief package that's expected to get final approval this week will include about $300 million in aid to the city. That's more than enough to erase a projected $240 million budget deficit that officials have blamed on lost tourism. Gloria is scheduled to unveil a proposed budget for the upcoming fiscal year on April 15th. He said he expected any cuts to be minor. The vaccine superstation at the Del Mar Fairgrounds will close from Friday through Sunday, according to Scripps Health. The closure is due to a glitch in my turn, the state's vaccine notification and scheduling system. The system offered 1,800 more appointments on Monday and Tuesday than Scripps had planned to administer. Rather than cancel those appointments, the health system honored them, but that left fewer doses for the rest of the week. San Diego is often commended for being one of America's safest cities, and that's still true. Crime in San Diego declined by 8% in 2020. Property crimes like burglary, theft, and vehicle theft were down across the board, and violent crimes were mostly down, with two important exceptions, aggravated assault and homicide. Alex Riggins covers public safety at the UT. He wrote about this with reporter David Hernandez. Alex, police are saying that the drop in crime is consistent with trends across the country. Why is crime going down overall nationwide? Um, I mean, I I think here in San Diego, we've seen a kind of a long decline over uh, years and really decades um, of of crime dropping. I think, as you mentioned in the in the intro, um, it's one of the you know San Diego is one of the safest cities uh, in the country, one of the safest big cities. Um, and so, you know, crime has been on on, on the decline for a long time. Um, and then last year, you know, with the pandemic, um, that that had an impact as well. Um, you know, researchers saw that residential burglaries dropped uh, when when more people were staying home, which makes sense. Um, You know, when people were out at work before, uh, their home might be a target. But when they're there, uh, you know, most people people aren't breaking into a home with with people inside it most of the time. Um, So you saw residential burglaries drop. uh, And then you saw, you know, they they say they saw some commercial uh, burglaries, you know, jump because businesses were closed for long periods of time. And so um, you know, some of those, some of those, uh, uh, commercial businesses were hit. Um, so, so the pandemic definitely had an effect. Um, and then, you know, just kind of adding to the, the already declining rate of crime, uh, here in San Diego. And why did aggravated assault and homicide go up as far as officials can tell? 
Yeah. So another another important thing to to keep in mind with that, um, as we've talked about San Diego being really safe. Um, so so homicides jumped ten percent, which sounds like a really big jump, um, but it went from fifty to fifty five, um, which for uh, you know a city of our size, a city of the size of San Diego is. Um, I mean, obviously, every single homicide is a, is a person lost, and and you know, all you know, every life is precious and that sort of thing. But it you know, it's it's five more homicides than last year or than to 2019. Um, so it's not like a massive jump. Um, but what you know, what what kind of researchers have have said and what they've seen with the with both the homicides and aggravated assaults is it seems like. Um, Kind of the 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 community, um, the pandemic had a, had a huge effect on on community on on services being available. Um, there's a there's a researcher I spoke to from the University of San Diego named Sid Martinez, um, who's been studying you know crime and policing uh, in Sacramento for the last eight years, and um, you know that's one of the things that he's found is that. Um, you know these community ties have just have just really broken apart uh, within the last year, and so it, it contributes to um, it contributes to violence, and uh, you know people are out of work, uh, maybe drinking more, maybe doing more drugs, um, and all of these things have have had an impact um, on on uh, you know on violence. Yeah, I read that in your story that they're still looking into some of some of these statistics, like whether drinking or drug use went up. I mean, what other impacts has the pandemic caused, or, or what other what other impacts are they looking at that could be pandemic caused? Um, yes, I mean, the Sid Martinez at, at USD, who I mentioned, um, you know, that that was his big point was was just like the 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 community ties have just frayed, and. Um, and so, you know, it, it's it's hard to say. Uh, it's still so early, and I mean, we're still in the pandemic, right? It's it's an ongoing thing, um, and so it's hard to say how else it has affected things. Um, but but that's that's kind of the big one is is just um, you know people don't have the same services that they had before. Um, there's just less of a sense of community. Um, another thing that he mentioned was with um, with the killing of George Floyd last year and the protests that followed. Um, what he's seen in, in his research is that, you know, after uh, police killings, um, trust of law enforcement drops in especially black and Latino communities. And, um, and so, you know, what he's seen in his research is that, um, you know, sometimes people in those communities will be, will be more hesitant to reach out to law enforcement uh, and, and more likely to, you know, take justice into their own hands type of thing. And so you might get, you know, one person gets killed and then you get a retaliatory killing um, and that sort of thing and, and instead of seeking out help from, from police. Um, so it, it was kind of a, a double whammy of the pandemic, you know, cutting off people from, from normal community ties, um, trust, you know, in police, uh, dipping in, in, in communities, um, and so it, it just contributed to, you know, a bad situation. Um, I, I do have to say that was, that's his research in Sacramento. Um, and so, you know, uh, you can kind of extrapolate it out uh, to the rest of California and, and San Diego, but there are obviously, um, you know, different dynamics between the two cities, but, but that's definitely what he's found uh, there in, in Northern California. 
What is being done here in San Diego to either improve those community services you mentioned people are disconnected to or also to um, improve, improve trust in, in the police? Um, yeah, so, so the city uh, last week launched a campaign called No Shots Fire. Um, it's an effort to, um, yeah, get, get um, you know, especially police say they've seen a lot of, you know, kind of an uptick in, in gang violence. And so it's an effort to um, to try to quell that violence, um, you know, offer more offer more community support, um, you know, offer offer uh, better, um, you know, economic uh, situations for people uh, so that they don't feel, uh, you know, um, they don't feel desperate. They don't feel like they have to do uh, these sort of things. Um, although one thing to note, you know, they uh, at last week's launch of this program. They mentioned another program that they launched in 2019, a very similar thing. Um, it was called the the Peace Movement. Uh, let's live, let's love. They were, you know, they were trying to get, um, you know, gang members to 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 stop uh, the violence and and you know, kind of because sometimes sometimes it gets cyclical. There's one killing. There's this, you know retaliation, retaliation for that. You know, um, and and they mentioned that since that program was launched. Uh, there's there has been an uptick in homicides, and so um, that first one didn't seem to work. Uh, they're trying to get you know hopefully this one to work, um, and we'll see how it goes. So, because some of this is pandemic related, once the pandemic is over, hopefully soon, um, do they expect changes in, in crime um, then as well? I mean, it's it's really hard to say. Um, and and you know mostly our story was focused on looking back on on what the numbers have have told us uh, so far. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, it's going to take you know I think it's going to take a lot of time to build some build some of the um, kind of the the community services back. Um, it, it, you know, it's kind of like school close schools closing down. You know, it's it's really easy to close a school down, and it's really hard to get it back going again. Um, and I think it's going to be the same thing for a lot of, um, you know, the, the social service programs and, and kind of these community outreach uh, organizations and, and different programs. It's, um, you know, you lose contact with people over, over this time. Um, you don't, you know, you have had a year where you haven't had those face-to-face -face interactions um, and, 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 you know, a year lost of kind of building that trust. Um, so I think that there's going to be um, it's going to take a while. It's, it's not going to be, you know, just kind of flipping a switch on and off. Um, but we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely see what happens. Now let's turn to opinion. Abby Hamblin is an opinion editor and producer and hosts the Name Drop San Diego podcast with me. Our guest this week is Dean Nelson. He's a writer with bylines in the New York Times, the Boston Globe, San Diego Magazine, Christianity Today, and others. He's a journalism professor at Point Loma Nazarene University, and he's the founder of the Writers' Symposium by the Sea, which takes place March 23rd to 25th online this year. Abby, our guest this week was Dean Nelson. I know that he was a professor of yours. You wanted to bring him on. I'm so glad that we did. But, you know, what about him uh, makes him an interesting interview? So if people haven't heard of it, he is the host of a Writer's Symposium by the Sea, which takes place on the campus of Point Loma Nazarene University. And he's brought some amazing um, writers there to talk about their writing, to talk about the process and the craft. And 
just kind of their experiences, everyone from um, Ray Bradbury to Amy Tan to George Plimpton, uh, the list goes on and on, Anne Lamott, uh, Donald Miller. And so, first of all, uh, Dean Nelson is a writer himself, but he also interviews writers. So he brings that expertise to his interviewing of the other writers. Uh, but we also just wanted to ask him, you know, how has he learned to be such uh, a good interviewer? Um, you know, how does he write? What what does the interviewing process look for, like for him as a person who writes? So just a lot of interesting discussion about how to talk to people. He also has a book out about it called um, Talk to Me, How to Ask Better Questions, Get Better Answers, and, and, and Interview Anyone Like a Pro. And so, of course, this guy literally wrote the book on interviewing. <laughs> Let's talk to him about interviewing. And he has the writer symposium coming up. So, yeah. Yeah, he's so fascinating. And like as interviewers and writers, he gave us a lot of good advice. But I love some of the stories he told, you know, like he was the first reporter on the scene at the Heaven's Gate cult scene here in the San Diego area. Um, he's he's written in Kosovo. He's written in Croatia, you know, stories that are, are serious and, and also just travel stories. Yeah. What was something he said during the interview that stands out to you, Abby? I think it's just interesting to hear someone else's process for interviewing. Um, you know, we interview people for our podcast, Name Drop San Diego, um, and we do have our own style and way of preparing and that type of thing. But to hear um, from someone who's interviewed people like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, you know, Mary Carr, who's an author that I've read several books of, um, it's, just, it's just really interesting to hear how he approaches it because his approach is very unique to him. Um, and he, I mean, not everyone reveals the way they, uh, do their jobs. And so he's not only written a book, sharing a lot of his tips about interviewing, but he talked to us about it and, um, he doesn't seem afraid to share his best advice and his wisdom, um, about interviewing. And, and he also makes the point that anybody can be an interviewer and, you know, sometimes it's part of your job and sometimes it's talking to a neighbor or during an incident. And, um, I think it's something talking to people is not for everyone, but you can learn, it's a skill you can learn. And so that's kind of what he relayed in our interview and in his book. Yeah. We also talked to him about the Oprah interview with Meghan Markle and um, Prince Harry, and he had some really interesting takes and critiques if you've been following that story. Um, and he also, he, he shared a really incredible story that I'll be telling people for a long time about, which is the sky burial in Tibet. Um, if you don't know what that is, he gives a pretty interesting and graphic description of it. Um, it sounds just like an incredible thing to see, but let's go ahead and end on this clip. Well, how about you? Why do you write? Well, thanks for bringing it back to me here for a moment, Christine. Um, I was wondering when that was going to happen. You are the guest in this interview. <laughs> That's right. I was, I was hoping Don't we forget. would get back. No, I, I think I have that same. When, when Ray Bradbury said, our job is to bear witness to the miraculous, I just thought, That's it. That's why I do what I do. Not, not the interviewing part, but the, but the writing part. I, there are certain stories I'm drawn to that I just feel like, I see it, I need to tell about it. And um, it may be something that the world will never see, but I still need to hang some language on it. I wanna know, I wanna know what this is. And, and until I've written it, I don't really know what I think about it. I don't know what, how I feel about it. And then if I can include an audience perhaps, now I can share it and, and do that kind of bearing witness. But, um, I, I think the simple answer, Christy, is that I, I just feel 
like story is how we function in the world. And I get to be one of the storytellers. It's, it's actually a privilege. And finally, we have a your say question. The question of the week is, the anniversary of California's lockdown is approaching. How do you feel the state and the nation have handled the crisis? And what lessons do you think we have learned or not learned? Send your 500 word submissions to your say at sduniontribune.com and be sure to include your name, neighborhood, and phone number. We won't print the phone number. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. We'll be back tomorrow.